You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good evening and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simi. I'm delighted to be joined once again by Mike Stavrou of Metro Sport. Mike, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right, mate, in the in the circumstances. I'm fine. Eight o'clock kickoff means a 10.30ish post-match podcast. Mm. which is tough enough to stay up for as it is, let alone after you've just watched the ball fest like that. Um, what did you make of the overall performance first from Arsenal and what will come on to touch on various aspects of it a little bit later on? Um, I thought that we were dismal today. Um, I think that we started the game quite well and we were seeing... Uh, the confidence seeped through from the last four wins in a row. Uh, we were quite a zippy. We were moving the ball around, um, some decent combination play. And then it was like a flick switched, a, a switch flicked even. Um, as soon as Palace got, uh, got got some opportunities and got, got themselves up the pitch, it's like our confidence was just zapped. We couldn't create anything. Um, we couldn't cause them any problems. Uh, Lacazette couldn't get a touch. Smith Rowe wasn't wasn't getting on the ball. I thought Maiden Niles was poor, um, and then Palace really. I think they sh- they should have comfortably won. They had the better opportunities. They obviously hit the bar. Um, ben Teke fluffed a few, um, and yeah, it was just it was just really poor. I, I, I saw Arteta's interview after the game. He said that it was fatigue, and yeah, maybe there was there was an element of that. But I think overall, like no creativity, and it just shows you. It's it's probably a bit of a reality check, Harry. To be fair, for for where we are at, at the moment, um, and the fact that Crystal Palace were by far the better side. Yeah, and look at the end of the day, a game at home against Crystal Palace. If you've got aspirations of breaking into the European places, then you expect to be winning that game. So ultimately, a lot of the things that we're probably going to discuss on on tonight's post match show are going to come across a little bit negative, but. Before we go into that, before we kind of look to pick apart some of the individual performances, some of the other concerns uh, off the back of that performance, I think it's worth putting this into context. We're talking about an Arsenal side that has already lost eight games in the Premier League this season. That has really, really struggled for consistency, for confidence, um, you know, for creativity. However, we've just taken 10 points from a possible 12 in our last four games. Now, I've been saying it all along. I said that if we took seven points from Chelsea, Brighton and West Brom, I'd have been delighted. We ended up taking nine. Obviously, I wanted three points from tonight. We only took the one, which is kind of counter counteracted by that couple of extra points we picked up in that previous run of games. So for me, look, 10 points from 12 after the run we were on is is not to be sniffed at. You know, it is an improvement. But I think tonight probably served as a bit of a reminder to the club that actually you may think that in terms of our creativity issues, you can find all the answers in-house. But I don't think that that is the case. I think that 
it's clear that additions are needed. Whether Arsenal will be able to go out and do that business in the January window remains to be seen. But, you know, the, the biggest miss for me tonight was was Kieran Tierney. And I don't know if you agree with that, Mike. I felt that we struggled to uh, have that sort of fluidity when coming forward down the left-hand side. The fluidity that, A, a top player in Kieran Tierney brings, but also someone who's naturally left-footed brings to the table. Ainsley Maitland-Niles was having to check inside. Didn't have a good game individually, in my opinion, but um, certainly wasn't helped by the fact that he was playing on his wrong side. Some will argue that he's played there before and it shouldn't be an issue, but it is an issue when you're you're heavily reliant on that as an attacking outlet. Prior to the game, Mike, we were told that Kieran Tierney was left out of the side because uh, of some muscle stiffness and it was a precautionary measure. We were told the same of Pablo Marie. Mikel Arteta in his post-match interview, interestingly, said that Kieran Tierney will be having an MRI scan tomorrow. Now, I'm no doctor and it could, as some people have pointed out to me on Twitter already, because I put a tweet about it a few minutes ago and and lots of people have responded already. Um, But it could just be uh, a case of making sure there isn't anything more sinister going on. Uh, As one uh, one person says, it could be a way of uh, making sure there isn't any abnormal inflammation. That worries me, though. The fact that Mikel Arteta said that worries yeah. me. How, how are you feeling about it all? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, as, as an Arsenal fan, you always fear the worst when when players are suddenly left out. Um, and especially someone like, like Tierney, who you know, like, you will have to hold them back from, from playing because he's someone that is, you know, 1,000% committed in, in, in everything he does. So the fact that he wasn't even in the the squad concerned me initially. And then when you think about, you know, our injury record, which is so poor, that concerned me too. So I, you know, people tell me, oh, you know, calm down, calm down. It's, it's just a precaution. Yeah. But then obviously Arteta's comments confirmed it and didn't because, look, it's, it still might be something very small. That's that's the hope. But the fact that he's getting an MRI is is worrying um, in terms of how it, how it could affect us, I mean, he was a huge miss tonight, massive miss. Um, you're, you're, you're right about the right-footed thing, but not only that, I think it's just because we've been blessed with how good an attacking fullback we, we've had in Tierney, how much he drives us forward. Um, I wrote uh, an article for the Metro today, Harry, talking about you know possible successes um, for Aubameyang as captain, and Tierney was the standout choice. Um, and which is quite amazing, really, considering he's not even been at the club for 18 months yet. And a lot of those 18 months, he was out injured. So it just shows you how you know important he is to, to the squad, um, the example he sets for everyone. And yeah, I mean, what an attacking outlet he is. And it showed. Uh, Maitland-Niles, I thought, was was poor. But it's almost, you, you can't blame him in a sense because, look, the guy's not played. I mean, he's... he's literally not played in months of course he's going to be rusty I don't want to go in too hard on him um, but yeah we, we we massively missed him and it's a it's a concern I mean I hope you know um, in our test press conference if he can give us a bit more detail on that about what the suspected injury is then um, hopefully we won't have to worry about it but yeah of course it's, it's going to be a worry isn't it 
Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, we'll come on to talk about a few more of the individuals in a minute. Let's say a big hello uh, to everybody joining us uh, live in the chat at the moment. Big hello to Gunatel, who joined us uh, on the live watch along as well. Um, Marshall says, Harry in, Arteta out. Uh, look, I will reluctantly accept the job if they come knocking on my door, okay? Um, let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Fordy says, hi, Harry. I hope you're well. I like Ainsley, and in all fairness, it's not his natural position. But when Tierney is missing, you know that there will be big shoes to fill. Uh, completely agree with that. Jack Burgess is taking the opportunity to have a go at Hector Bellerin. I didn't think he was necessarily the yeah, worst player I on saw, the pitch. I, I saw that coming. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think Hector Bellerin was the worst player on the pitch tonight by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Ryan Adams says uh, Palace had the better chances. Leno, two world-class saves. Yeah, absolutely. Mike alluded to that in his kind of opening statement, if you like. Uh, there were a couple of really good opportunities that fell Crystal Palace's way. Tomkins is header off the crossbar. And of course, that save from Bern Leno uh, after Christian Benteke's header. So, yeah. Um, you know, uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of reasons to actually think that getting a point from this one wasn't um, wasn't a, uh, a a disaster in the end. Look, I know on paper it's Crystal Palace, and as Arsenal fans, we feel that we have this divine right to be at a much higher level. But the reality is, we're not at that level right now, and that's why I pointed out the fact that we have picked up ten points from twelve, which is respectable at any sort of level in the table so we should just t like kind of accept that and not go ott and overboard off the back of that game i'm going to go a little bit andy gray on you guys uh because i got my little tactics board up because it was something that we were talking about on the watch along prior to the actual kickoff i've got the two teams on the screen here for those of you watching if you're listening via the audio i will explain it as best as i can but that kind of gives us an idea of how the two sides um you know, lined up. And we were looking at it um, prior to the game, as I say, because there was some concern on my part uh, about Arsenal's ability to break this Crystal Palace defence down and how exactly we were going to do that. Now, you know that Crystal Palace were, were going to play with a compact a couple of units of four. That's exactly what they did. Townsend and Eze really chipped in defensively like that in front of the back four. And the aim uh, from Crystal Palace at all times, wasn't it? Um, Mike was to was to get the ball up the pitch and try and uh, try and pick it. I can't even bloody do this. Here we go. The, the aim was to play the balls up to Benteke and for Wilfred Zaha or Eze coming off the other side to get as close to him as possible, try and win those knockdowns and make things happen in and around the penalty area. Now, my concern around Arsenal tonight was the fact that I said that Crystal Palace would want to play with this narrow back four unit. They would want to defend the width for their penalty area. And when you've got Aubameyang playing on the left, who naturally is going to do this, when you've got Saka playing on the right, who's a left-footed player and is naturally going to do this, and then you've got a fullback in Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who's supposed to be making those overlapping runs, but again, naturally, being right-footed, he's going to do this more often than not. It's no wonder that we played into Crystal Palace's hands. And it was disappointing to see us kind of fall into that trap because you know that that's what they want. You know that when teams come to the Emirates, they sit with a with a couple of banks of four and they try and defend. For those of you on the audio, if I didn't explain that properly, what I'm saying is Aubameyang right-footed playing on the left, always going to cut inside. Saka, left-footed playing on the right, the same. Ainsley Maitland-Niles coming out on the outside of uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Again, right-footed player playing on the left. 
naturally those players are going to drift in field and it almost plays into the hands of Crystal Palace. And I found that really frustrating. We don't seem to have an alternative at the moment, Mike. If Emil Smith-Rowe doesn't create and Bukayo Saka has an yeah. off night, which I think he did tonight, what's the alternative? Well, I think my biggest issue with tonight, Harry, was just like, as, as I said, after about 20 minutes, it just collapsed. And yeah, you're right. Like, we couldn't get uh, um, Smith-Rowe into the game, which meant we couldn't get Lacazette into the game. Lacazette was completely isolated. Honestly, I don't remember him having more than 15 touches over the entire game. And he's been one of our better players. I was quite surprised, actually, when he went off. Even I thought Enkesia did okay when he came on. But I think that was the biggest issue. The fact that we couldn't get it into them players. They were quite isolated. There was no link-up play. Um, when we got the ball to the to, to the wingers, especially Bamiang, it was... It was cut inside, you know, look look for a pass inwards, maybe, you know, what a, a shot. For me, Harry, I, I know we're going to talk about in, in individuals and, you know, this is mainly about tactics. I just want to highlight how much of a of an issue I think what will happen with, uh, with Aubameyang at the moment because he's our captain. We've just given him a huge contract, but essentially he, he's a passenger at the moment. He doesn't fit with, with the sort of style that, that, that we want to play. And I just feel we're so much more dynamic, so much more energetic when we have someone like like Martinelli there. I know that that, that Kieran Tenney was a big miss tonight and probably Aubameyang would have looked slightly better and got in better positions if he didn't have to be so wide because he had Tenney overlapping. But it's a real issue at the moment because Arteta can't drop his captain, can he? Realistically, what message does that send? But then how long do we persist carrying someone like that? We, we've seen on the on, on the other side, Pepe, you know, he was starting game after game. And then, you know, when he didn't produce, he, he was dropped. But you can do that because he's not got the sort of status. I think he was he was persisted with because we spent 72 million on him and we're trying to get a tune out of him. But, you know, you've got a youngster in, in the ranks, Saka, that's better than him. He's gone. And now you've got an, another youngster who maybe who wasn't fit tonight, Martinelli, but he's shown in the last few games that he is more effective there. So I think that that's a real issue in terms of tactics. You are spot on. We, we don't have a plan B. Um, and as you alluded to earlier as well, the reliance can't be on Smith Rowe because he's 20 years old. He's not going to have a blinder every week and we need someone there. We need reinforcements, which I don't believe we're going to get in January at least. Yeah, it certainly doesn't feel like we're going to do anything significant anyway, uh, based on the kind of noises and the rumbles that are coming out of the club at the moment. Uh, let's go back to the live chat box quickly. Xander, one of our members, says, I can accept the result, but not the performance. It's been said before, the senior players shouldn't depend on the youngsters to step up and our most creative player was missing and it showed. Uh, big hello to Miss Melina as well in the chat. Uh, Luke Williams says tonight's game shows how much we miss Tierney and Martinelli and how we need backups for them when we need to rest them. Uh, big hello to Andreas in Cyprus, another one of our members. He says, end of the day, we were lucky with a draw. Credit to Xhaka and Leno. Uh, 100% we missed Tierney. Uh, what else have we got in terms of your comments? Uh, Louis Robson says, worrying thing is that the board aren't going to do anything this month. Don't kid yourselves, guys. They are stingy owners. Sherwin says we won three games and started to feel ourselves. We got outworked and our captain was strolling around. Mm. Let's touch on on Granite Xhaka's performance, uh, Mike, because there are a lot of people 
uh, with mixed reviews uh, on Granite Xhaka following tonight's display. Method Man says people saying Xhaka played well, two good tackles, cancelled out by giving the ball away over and over. Get him out. Now, my view on this is when a player is proactively trying to play the ball forward to make something happen, naturally, they're going to give the ball away more. Alexis Sanchez when he was playing for Arsenal, he used to give the ball away more than any other player, if you looked at it statistically. But that was because he was trying to make things happen. When we're sitting here saying that our midfield are not progressive enough, is it then fair to have a go at Granit Xhaka for giving the ball away a little bit more often tonight because he was trying to play those passes, because he was trying to make something happen a little bit further on in the pitch? Yeah, you're right. Because look, if he was passing sideways, people would still be moaning at him. Oh, all, all, all Xhaka does is, you know, where the, the whole team are just are just passing sideways, backwards, forwards. He's actually the one, you're right, the one that's trying to make those progressive passes. And obviously he's going to give it away. And I think some of the times he gave it away, he was just shattered because he gave absolutely everything tonight. He came on the other day against against Newcastle when we needed him, frankly, and, and was good. I, I thought he was, he, he was one of the better players. Um, and then we, we've started him tonight and I thought he was... He was really good. I thought he gave everything. He, um, you know, made some really good tackles. Um, he roughed up Zaha, which which I love. <laughs> just a, just a quick side note about Zaha. Harry, I was fuming. The guy nonstop moaning through the whole ninety oh, minutes, man. It was winding me up, man, so much. And like, I was just trying to, I was just trying to keep calm, but I like the whole time. I, I just looked at his his face, look, looking angry and, and moaning at the ref, and I was like, "Come on, man! Not every single touch on you is a foul. Stop moaning to the ref. Get on with the game." And it it just was winding me up so much. I don't know if you felt the same. Yeah, I certainly did, and he's just one of those players in it, constantly in the referee's oh. ear, constantly trying to get his way. Uh, there's been some criticism for Hector Bellerin in our live chat box tonight as well. And Harry Land uh, says, hello, chaps. I'm here on behalf of the project, the Protect Hector project. I, I agree with you, Harry. I, I Again, I don't understand why he is getting a, a load of heat tonight. He wasn't the problem. Mm. Uh, the problem was we couldn't break Crystal Palace down. That was the issue tonight. Why are we looking at a defence that have kept yet another clean sheet? I think that's three and four now. So what are we looking at the defence for? We should be looking at f- the players further forward, the players that struggled to break Crystal Palace down. And, and you know, had we created some chances and not taken them, then you, you just look at those individuals that didn't take them. But we, we didn't really create anything of note, Mike. Can you remember one opportunity where you thought, no. wow, that was a glorious opportunity? I can't think of one. No, nothing. Uh, I mean, th- there was a moment where the ball went into the box and you were just saying, Hexa, don't touch it, don't touch it because it's going straight to Lacazette and he got a toe on it. And, you know, I don't blame him for that. He probably didn't know that um, that, that Lacazette was behind him. But, you know, I think as a, as a fan base, I think it's fair to say um, they sort of get their bee in a bonnet about a player um, that, that they don't like. And then everything they do is wrong. Like, like I was saying about Xhaka, he was obviously trying to make progressive passes. He was giving it everything. And that meant that, yes, he'd give away the ball because he was knackered. You know, running up and down the pitch, trying to deal with um, with Crystal Palace counters. Bellerin, I, I thought, didn't have his best game tonight. I think where he really sort of wasn't great was just looking to 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 play and get that link up. And then when he actually was in the positions to cross, his final ball was poor. 
I think we we sort of when we when we can't break teams down, we go to this really bad habit that's like get to the byline and just hit it, and like we're not actually trying to pick anyone out. And when you're playing against a team like Palace, who are going to have about seven, eight, nine players in the box, it's just not going to happen. Um, someone who I want to who I want to single out has been really poor though, um, and we, we've spoken about him a lot. Is is Pepe when he came on? Oh. Just like pretty disastrous, to be honest. I mean, you know, getting the ball, sort of shimmying a little bit, going backwards, and even when he sort of threatened to to, to take on the defender, he just he just didn't do it. And this this is another issue, like similar to to Aubameyang, as, as I mentioned earlier. What do we do with with Pepe now? Because he's not going to get back to, or not get back to his best. He's not going to find his best at Arsenal with substitute appearances. He's clearly a confidence player. Um, and he's just not going to, I can't see a way in which he, you know, becomes the player that we want him to become, um, by, by coming off the bench with like 15, 20 minutes to go. And yeah, it's an issue. There's, there's, there's multiple, multiple issues in the squad, which is why going back to your point, I think players like Xhaka and Bellerin sort of should, shouldn't be given as much heat as, as they are, because I think there's other glaring issues that are holding us back more so. Yeah, that's the thing for me. I just want to see the fan base judge everybody consistently. It's not that I've got an issue with people even calling out a performance that they don't think is necessarily up to standard. That's what football is all about. You know, opinions, views, different ways of looking at things. But there's got to be an element of fairness to it. And I don't feel there is when we're talking about those two particular players, Granit Xhaka and Hector yeah. Bellerin. It sounds like we're just sitting here defending them, but that's not the case. No. The reason we're, we're having this discussion is because of the mixed reaction in the live chat box. I mean, Omar says Xhaka kept on giving the ball away every opportunity, but he made some crucial blocks, so fair play to him. Harry Atkinson, one of our members, says, I thought Xhaka was by far Arsenal's player. Giving the ball away, trying to break the lines doesn't bother me. Rather see that than taking the safe option just to keep possession, which is what, what I was saying as well. So completely agree with that. Um, G bro says uh, the problem is Arteta. I mean, we're not going to start with the Arteta out business again, are we already? I mean, it's been, you know, we've dropped a couple of points at home to Crystal Palace. If we go and beat uh, Newcastle United on Monday night, then that will be uh, 12 points, uh, sorry, 13 points from a possible 15, which is a pretty decent return especially when you're talking about a side in the bottom half of the table who have lost eight games already. Um, Sergei says Rob Holding did well tonight. He should have scored the headers. Rob Holding's a little bit underwhelming in the opposition penalty area, isn't he? I know he's not a striker, but he does get on the end of things quite often, but he just doesn't seem to take the opportunities. Yeah, and like, why doesn't he just attack the ball like, like he does when he's defending corners? But it, does, it, it, it doesn't make sense, does it? He needs, he needs training in that. Um, just just on the artist out quickly thing, Harry. I think yep. um, you know there's a there's a few tonight, but I'm just saying with with our fixtures coming up, which if anyone doesn't know, let let me just read them out because someone just message um, mentioned it in the chat. So obviously we've got um, Newcastle on Monday, then we've got the FA Cup fourth round, and after that, Southampton away, <laughs> Man United at home, Wolves away, Aston Villa away. At home to Leeds, Benfica away, Man City at home, Benfica again, and then away to Leicester City. Oh, God. It doesn't get any easier, does it? (laughs) Like, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Arteta now, you know, after draws against Crystal Palace, 
yeah, let's just prepare ourselves for that. But look, you can only play what's, what's in front of you. It, it sort of does put the pressure on now, though, doesn't it, for, for Newcastle? I mean, it makes that game a pretty much a must-win. If we harbour ambitions of getting anywhere near the top six, top eight, that's a must-win game. Yeah, so, um, it certainly does. Yeah. It certainly does. Uh, it certainly does make that game a, a really important one. Um, don't forget, guys, if you're watching us live at the moment or if you're watching this back on the replay uh, via YouTube in particular, make sure that you hit that like button. It's so, so important in terms of pushing uh, the uh, video up the rankings. Also, if you're interested in becoming a member, you probably noticed in the chat that there's a fair few people with the little Chronicles of Aguna logo next to their names. That is because they are members of the channel. We currently offer three tiers of membership. Uh, with that, you'll receive uh, perks and, of course, uh, access to our Discord server where we're pretty much talking Arsenal uh, all day and all evening. So check that out. Um, if you are a member already and you haven't joined the Discord server, make sure you do because it's part of the package. And I know there's still a number of you that haven't actually come across over to it. Um, yep. Click the link in the description, check out the free tiers and you can choose which, if any of those appeal to you. And uh, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, uh, lending a bit of a hand and in return, uh, getting some additional content uh, for your troubles, as long with a couple of other perks, then uh, feel free to do so. And we'd love to have you. Uh, right. Let's uh, go back to this uh, chat box. Uh, Harry Land. Uh, says, I feel strangely optimistic after tonight. I've seen us lose these sort of games many times. We tried to break them down, but it wasn't to be. If we showed a lack of effort and desire, I'd be worried. That's a positive way of looking at it, Mike. And, you know, sometimes it just isn't your night. And it felt to me after about 66, 67 minutes that it was going to be one of those nights. And I was actually saying it during the watch along. In the second half, I was... I think it must have been around about the, the 75th, 80th minute. I turned around and I said, for me now, uh, you know, and I mentioned that points return over the last few weeks. And I said, we've got a pretty decent points return over the last few weeks. Now is where you've got to decide whether it's just not going to be your night and you just make sure that you don't do anything silly on the counter-attack and end up losing the game and you take the point and you get out of there. Or um, do you go gung-ho and take that risk? And I felt that the that probably taking the point, given that we didn't look like, you know, given that we looked like we could have played for three days and not scored, it felt like we should just kind of be a little bit careful, wary of Crystal Palace's threat on the break and just take what we had. Are you feeling strangely, do you share Harry's optimism, I, I guess is what I want to know? Not really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I see what I see what you're saying because, yeah, I mean, it is good that we did lose the game, but realistically, we should be we should be getting better than that against against Crystal Palace at home. As you said, if we want to, you know, move higher up than than where we are right now, the the reason I'm not why well, I'm not optimistic is because just of the as, as I said, the the crisis of, of of confidence that that seems to happen when when you know it's not quite going our way. And um, it has gone our way in, in recent games, but guess what? It's not going to in, in future. And like, what's going to happen when we go when we go one nil down? Are we going to suddenly, you know, throw our toys out of the pram? Are we going to we're, we're going to stop playing? And that's that's my issue. And we need to find another way to, to be able to play. Um, and if you look at this at the, at the subs we made, Harry, obviously you know Party was 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 promising, but Pepe was pretty ineffective 
to, to, to be kind to him. So then in, in the next game, do we then bring him on again if, if it's not quite working? Do we, you know, go go for someone like Reese Nelson who might not have the end product, but at least is a bit more dynamic? I mean, these are the things we, we need to be looking at. But I think the, the biggest issue for me tonight was just how we struggled to get to get um to get Lacazette into the game. Because he has been one of our one of our best players over the last few weeks. I know the, the focus has been on um has been on Smith and Saka, but he's the one that ties it all together. He's the one that obviously created um, Smith Rowe's goal uh, to to break the deadlock against Newcastle, and he's the one really that we need to be more focused on. You know, Smith Rowe can come deep and pick up the ball and make things happen, but he he's the one really. Are you giving Alexander Lacazette a bit of a free ride? And I'm not, I'm not, I haven't got a, a view on this really either way. But I'm playing devil's advocate here. You're saying that we need to get Alexander Lacazette into the game more. Is there an argument that Alexander Lacazette needs to do more to get into the game? Could he have done more tonight? I don't think so. I think it w- it was a difficult one tonight because he was just completely out- outnumbered. I mean, literally, I, w- I want to find out what the what the stats were exactly, but I know that um, while watching the game, Sky put up his his touch map in in the second half, and I counted it, and it was around fifteen touches. So, you know, that's not good. That's not good. And I, I think the, the onus really is on the rest of the team to, to get him involved when he's got, you know, five, six players around him. Realistically, how much can he can he really do? Um, but that's what it's about. You know, it's about combination play. And maybe it was just an off night or maybe it spells a bit of trouble for us going forward. I mean, hopefully not. I hope, you know, we can sort of put it to bed against against Newcastle, get another result and get a bit of confidence ahead of our tough run of fixtures. But I don't know. I don't know. And the, the issue is as well, if 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 Smith Rowe suddenly were to get injured or, you know, were to were to drop a level of performances, where does that leave us? We'd be in, we'd be in a massive, massive trouble because there's no one that, that, that I can think of that, that can replicate what, what he's doing at the moment. And that, that's that's the issue for me. Is the disappointment tonight amplified by the fact that I think a lot of us felt that maybe, just maybe, Arsenal had turned the corner in recent weeks? Probably, yeah. I mean, as as you were saying, we were saying earlier, you have to look at it in, in the big picture. We've lost a lot of games this season. Um, but I think you have to consider that it has had, had an uptick when we've changed the system and we've brought in a, a few more youngsters, and that's obviously had had an effect. Yes, we can't rely on them, but you have to take that into into context. I think we were playing a very boring, safe brand of football before that, and it's no coincidence that that the young and energetic players have, have given us a, a massive boost. But it's about finding alternative ways. It's about you know big decisions now. Does does Arteta drop Aubameyang? I don't know. Like people in the comments answer, do you think they should he should drop him? Because for me, he's not adding anything at the moment. It feels like he's being shoehorned into a team that yeah. doesn't fit him. That's that's what it feels like to me. And and it's a problem because if you've just given this guy the contract we've given him, as you mentioned earlier, if you've given him the captaincy, you've clearly hung a lot on Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. You know, he's clearly someone that Mikel Arteta thought would be very very valuable probably thought that he would continue in that rich vein of form he showed at the back end of last season operating from the left coming in but it just hasn't worked and um 
you know, he scored against Newcastle and I, I thought maybe this will be the catalyst that, that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang needs. But, you know, apart from a, an energetic start to the second half where I thought he did up it a little bit in terms of his energy, getting involved in the game, making runs down the left. Aside from that, he still didn't offer uh, very much at all. Let's go back to the chat box. Edward says, Harry, what's your thoughts on Arsenal losing on XG? Edward, there would be games that we've lost that we've won on XG as well. So I wouldn't read into that too much. Um, it's an indicator that, that that people use. It's a stat. But like any stat, without context, they kind of mean nothing. So um, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that. Uh, Don Saki says, hello, Harry. I'm telling you, Aubameyang has lost a step and I don't see him coming back to form. I just hate the fact that in the near future, people are going to give him a lot of stick like they did to Ozil. Thomas says, you have to be fair when you talk about Pepe. There are at least five players who did not perform today who started the game. True. Um, let's see uh, what else we've got. David Robinson says Arsenal are doomed. Um, lots of people talking about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We'll move on from that because I feel like uh, we've discussed it a, a fair amount and we've discussed it a lot in recent weeks as well about how uh, Mikel Arteta goes about getting the best out of uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. If you've got any other questions, chuck them in the chat. Uh, again, don't forget, if you're interested in becoming a member, click on the link in the description. It will take you to our membership page where you can find all the information you need. And if you wish to, you can sign up. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe, all of that stuff. How are you feeling going into the game against Newcastle now, Mike? Are you... Are you kind of back to how you were feeling a few weeks ago. I'm not. I've got to be honest. You know, I ex I know that the performance today wasn't great. I know that we struggled and I know it feels like two points dropped. But I'm actually still not, uh, you know, I I'm nowhere near as disappointed as I was during that run, let's say. So I haven't completely slipped back into that sort of zone of, of being really downbeat about what the future of the team is. I just think tonight was an off night. Do you know what was a positive from, from tonight, Harry? Thomas Partey. No. Oh, I was going to say the return of Thomas Partey. <laughs> no, I was, I was going, I was going to say no, no Willian. I thought well, that yeah. was a positive tonight. <laughs> that's another <laughs> like, that's, yeah. a, that's a big positive because yeah, Partey as well. And we can, we can chat about him, but I thought, I, I thought no Willian because he's, it's been someone that Arteta has stuck with. Um, he came out after the game against Newcastle when he put in another, you know, poor display and said we're gonna we're gonna keep trying with um with Willian, um, but obviously maybe Arteta's thinking now you know there 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 are obviously players ahead of him and I I can't start him, so is he gonna take the same approach with 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 Aubameyang? I mean probably not because there's a, there's a few factors which we've uh we've we've discussed to to death tonight, but um, but but yeah um. Answering your question in terms of do I do I feel the same as I did before? No, because look, that was a bad, bad run of form. Um, it got to the point where I didn't even want to watch the matches. It was just so bad. Um, there was nothing about our displays that, that that made it fun or interesting or intriguing. It was the same. It was you know laboured. Now there's a lot of positives. We got youngsters playing. Um, we're playing slightly better football. We're more confident. You can tell even though that does drop off at times. Um, I just hope that we can sort of use the, the disappointment of tonight to, to fuel us. And uh, to because I, I, I really want to smash Newcastle. I think they're a team um, that, you know, caused us a few problems 
with 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 Andy Carroll the other night, and I really want us to go put a statement performance. I think just like a one 0 win, yeah, it will do, but I think we we need a bit more than that because we're going to need some momentum going into this really really tough run of games. Um, in terms of who I'd want to see, I mean personally, I would start a, f- a front three, front four of uh, Saka, Lacazette, Martinelli, and um, and uh, Smith Rowe. And with Party and Jacka in in behind Tierney, if he can play, but that's that that's who I want to see play. I want to see players picked on merit, not reputation at, at the moment, because that's what he has to do. He's done it with Willian. Can he keep the same and and do it with with Aubameyang? I, I don't know. We'll see. But that's that's what I personally would like to see when we line up against Newcastle. Remains to be seen. Let's uh, quickly just touch on a tweet that that James Benj, obviously friend of the show, uh, was on the podcast a few days ago. If you haven't seen that one, uh, it was a really good episode uh, talking about the transfer window. So uh, check that one out. It's titled the James Benj special. You can't really miss it. Uh, He says he asked Arteta about Tierney. I'm assuming that would have been in the press conference post-match. Said he's reluctant to set a timescale on the recovery and notes it was a challenge to adapt the game plan when his injury came earlier today. He adds that other players, though, need to step up in those situations. Ouch. Now, Mike, I know Ouch. a lot of... Uh, yeah, he's kind of... That's a firing, he's firing a shot at Ainsley Maitland-Niles here, isn't he? Yeah. he cl- clearly doesn't feel his performance was good enough. The fact he hooked him and brought mm-hmm. on Pepe to then put Bukayo Saka out there was also another telltale sign of that. You know, when you're talking about players needing to step up and you're talking about natural replacements there, I can't help but think about the, the fact that we've allowed, say, Kalasinac to go out on loan. Now, I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying that, say, Kalasinac is a world-class left-back. I'm not saying that he should play for Arsenal every single week. But he is a much more, in a back four in particular, he's a much more natural suitor to that position than Ainsley Maitland-Niles. If there's one thing that Kalasinac does have, it's that ability to get up and up the flank and make things happen and, and to get, go on the outside of people. You know, if you think back to the Unai Emery days, there was a season where Ser Kalasinac almost touched double figures in terms of assists because he was that influential in that area. Now, he hasn't really worked out when he's played at left centre-back or even as a left wing-back. But in a back four, as a left-footed player who's played there all his career, He's a far more natural option to me than Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Yet, we've let him go. Does that feel like a bit of mistake in hindsight? Um, in terms of like, you know, immediate cover, uh, maybe. But I just think you can't look at it like that. I think his performances have been so poor this season that if we could sort of get him off, off the wage bill in the hopes to like push through a loan deal for, you know, a, a central midfielder, I think it, it's the sort of deal that needs to happen obviously in hindsight maybe it does but you know this isn't the circle that you were talking about I think this is a, a bit of a shadow of the player and ultimately you want players who are going to be in form to be to be helping us I mean maybe you could you could work it around and put and, and keep Saka there but even though I feel like you know taking Saka off the right wing where he's been so good for us and one of our best players that's that's a mistake so it's going to be interesting to see I'm quite concerned by by those comments by Arteta, to be honest. The fact that he's first he said that it's it's an MRI. Now James Benj is saying that he's reluctant to say when he's going to be back. I mean, if he was fine, he would have said it was a precaution. You know, he'll be back in training 
or you know in contention even to play in the next game that's a bit worrying to me um it's going to be interesting to see what what he does um but in in the same sense i don't think it's particularly helpful for him to be digging out or sort of taking a a, a thinly veiled swipe at, at maitland niles there yeah he didn't have a good game but also is that because you haven't played him i mean he, he didn't even start in, in the fa cup when when really cup competitions where was where maitland should be playing didn't play at, um in midfield at the end of the europa league the last game of the europa league group stage either um i think i can check me on that but um yeah, I don't know. It's a bit weird. It's like you sort of you you keep Maitland Niles at, at, at the club when when reportedly that there was there was an offer, and then you don't play him, and then you take a dig at him when he doesn't play well. I don't know. It's a bit weird. Do, do you I mean? find and and I find this about Mikel Arteta, and perhaps this is just, uh, down to a bit of a lack of in uh, a lack of experience. Do you find that in pre uh, sorry in post match stuff, i.e. the post match interview, and then the press conference? He just kind of sometimes lets his emotions get away. He lets things come out that may be a more calm Mikel Arteta, a more calculated Mikel Arteta during the week in a lead-up to a game, for example, in a press conference, wouldn't ever say. And you think that that is something that, as a manager, he needs to improve on? Because if he continues to... And, and look, this one with Enzi Metlenas today it was by no means as, as direct and as clear as the dig that he had at Nicolas Pepe, for example, after he got sent off at Leeds. But it does, when you look at this comment and you read between the lines, feel like it is him having a go at Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Is that going to be Mikel Arteta's downfall? Because you can't do that. You can't alienate your players in the public eye and expect them to just take it as, as motivation. Some players will take it as motivation, but others won't. Sorry, I was just laughing because your your mic went really weird, and someone's in the comments. You sound like a Dalek, Harry. Oh, did it? Bloody hell! That, that, that tickled me oh. a little bit. But yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll answer your question one while you sort that. Um, yeah, and I've mentioned this before, haven't I? I sort of feel like you know he can be keep things a bit more in house next time. I feel like sometimes he is a little bit too open, and I think it's really a weird sort of mix because sometimes like with the Mesut Ozil situation he was saying he's going to get a chance he's going to get a chance everyone's on a on a clean slate and then he would come out and, and call out Pepe which I don't necessarily think was wrong I just think like him by him sort of picking and choosing which plays he's going to protect um and and which players he's not I know they're completely different situations but but now like obviously protected Pepe after making a massive mistake and then now sort of seems like he's taking a dig at Maitland-Niles, it doesn't really make sense to me. I think with managers, you either have to be one way or, or the other. You come out in the media and you defend your players, you know, no doubt, or you sort of be a bit more honest. And I think that sort of journey that he's on is him trying to figure out which sort of way he, he wants to be. Does he want to be more like a, an Arsene Wenger? Does he want to be more like a Jose Mourinho in the media? It's difficult, isn't it? And he's going to have to learn on the job. And that's why I sort of understand a bit when people would get frustrated with Arteta because he doesn't handle them situations the best all the time. And I feel like when he first turned up, he was saying all the right things. You know, he was saying, um, you know, we need, uh, I've got my, my my values and I want to I want to bring them back. I've got my, my non-negotiables. I feel like the non-negotiables have sort of not gone out the window in, in the bad spell, but 
he's sort of loosened his grip on them a, a little bit. But, you know, I don't want to go in on him too much, but that that Maitland-Niles thing has annoyed me a, a little bit, I will say. Let's, let's just, let's see. Because, like, digging out Maitland-Niles, do you think he's the type of player that's going to respond to that if he if, if he's picked again? I, I don't know. There's There's been issues in the past, isn't there? So... <sighs> There has indeed. Is my mic better now? Is it back? Yeah. Sort of. I don't know what on earth happened. Apologies, guys. I've had an absolute nightmare today with these microphones. I don't know what the hell is going on. It's been one of those days. It's bloody late. I'm tired. Forgive me. Uh, but yeah, I don't know uh, exactly what went wrong there. But all I did was unplug it and plug it back in again. And it seems to be fine. Um, yeah. And I think, Mike, a lot of people in the comments share your, your views um, on that, that it feels a little bit like uh, it, maybe Mikel Arteta is is a little bit wrong to do what he's doing in terms of singling out certain players and being, even if it is indirectly. And uh, Kartik says Arteta is learning on the job at Arsenal. We do have to remember that. Um, but this is happening at Arsenal Football Club and Arsenal is too big of a club, uh, in my opinion, uh, for us to be giving people uh, time to learn on the job. We needed a ready-made manager. I think we can all agree on that. I'm going to back Mikel Arteta why he's here. But for me, um, if you could rewind back the clock, I would have gone down the experience route. And I think the fact that we didn't means that at certain times uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to accept that there are going to be mistakes uh, from the manager. Uh, Gunatel says, you sound like one of those bots, Harry. Yeah. The bots that invaded our bloody watch along earlier on. And, uh, yeah, the, the less said about that, the better. Um, right, we're going to leave it there, Mike. Uh, it's late. Uh, we're both uh, still trying to process what we've just watched. It would have been a good uh, thing to put us asleep, actually. Maybe we should have just gone straight to bed after the game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that brings us to the end of this live edition of the podcast. Once again, apologies for that uh, cock up with my microphone. I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but... Uh, we'll certainly take a look into it and make sure it doesn't happen again. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Don't forget to hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe to the channel as well if you haven't already. And we'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care. Stay safe. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.